0: This is um, uh, a thought-provoking question. Um, Think of a time that someone described you to have a certain personality or characteristic, um, some sort of personality trait or something like that. And it can be uh, something that they said that was positive or negative or neutral, but they're saying it about like, not just commenting on you, like that's a nice shirt, but describing a character trait. Uh, that you have, what was the trait, and how did this affect you if at all i 'm pretty sure it probably did affect you, um, but you know what if you 're really stone cold, maybe it didn 't affect you, but um, I hope you can think of um, of something that uh, that you can share with us i 'm just going to open it up and um, Jump in, unmute yourself. I always like it when people describe me with positive character traits it makes me feel good <laughs> i know that but sometimes uh different things happen i thought i heard somebody unmute un- themselves anybody got any uh, th- this is this is potentially very um vulnerable so um you know that's okay or you can just share a really superficial one too that that's all right as well your- uh, It's really really interesting how um Particularly negative comments will stick with us. Um, there, uh, you've probably heard it said that uh, negative comments are like Velcro, and positive ones are like Teflon. Um, they slide off us, and we don't we don't um, seem to benefit in the same way that we suffer from the negative comments. That just uh, it's hard to let those things go. Anybody else?
1: Yes. Uh, Two thoughts came to mind. One was um, from high school, actually. I went to a huge high school in Minneapolis, 700 kids in my grad class. And um, it wasn't really until the end of the undergrad year when we signed each other's uh, yearbooks that I found out how a lot of my classmates felt about me. And I said, a lot of things about kindness, mostly about kind you're so kind, and I'm going,, Man, I could have used I could have used this compliment earlier mm. um, so that that made me think about encouraging young people or any of us to uh, got something good, say it, and then <laughs> the other Funny. one is kind of fun we um not know. I just took care of some grandkids for a week. Uh, and at the, when their parents got home, they were telling their parents all kinds of stuff. And, and one grandson, he's uh, 13, he said, Grandma Kathy's really chill.
0: <laughs> Almost like a
1: kid. I'm going, like, I'll take it, I'll take it.
0: <laughs> Nice. That's great, Kathy. So true, hey? Like, boy, if we had heard some of these things, some of the positive things, Man, it can give you such a boost. Why don't we do that more? Anyone else? That's good. No problem. Let's um let's move along. And um I think Brittany, you're gonna lead us in communion, right?
2: still muted, good to. okay. Um, good morning, everyone. My name is Brittany. I've been attending the bridge for, well, since last July, just in case we haven't been able to meet yet. Um, so this morning for communion, I was thinking about a few weeks ago, I was doing some listening prayer and just reflecting on how I was having a hard time Believing that I had a place at the table um, and I'm sure we've all felt that at different times in different uh ways and for different reasons, and I in my listening prayer, felt God say like um, you know, no one else has you the has the authority to tell you that you're not allowed at the table except for me and You don't have the authority to tell yourself that you are not allowed at the table either. So the only one stopping you is you. (laughs) So just come to the table and sit in your chair. Just sit, like, let's go. Um, And in that same time, I found a prayer and a poem from uh, Sarah Bessie's A Rhythm of Prayer book, which I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with. And it really stuck out to me and maybe some of you have read it, but I wanted to share it this morning. And then after we can partake in the elements and pray. So it's called For All the So-Called Lost by Reverend Emmy Kegler. And it's inspired by Luke 15:8, which says, "'And what woman, if she had 10 coins and lost one, wouldn't light a lamp and sweep the house and search diligently until she finds it. So here we go. Jesus, I am lost. They told me to follow you and I did, to the edges, to the margins, to the humble and grieving, to the oppressed and slandered, to where you showed you always were. And when I called back to them to show with joy what I had found, to celebrate what had been restored, They called me lost instead. They called me wanderer, they called me stubborn, they called me black sheep. It was supposed to be all green pastures and still waters. It was supposed to be all restored souls but all I could taste were my unattended doubts and all that bubbled up were troubled waters of unanswered questions and for asking them the shepherd said my soul was wrong. They called me sinner. They call me wasteful. They call me prodigal. And Jesus, I do not know how to tell them that the riches they say I stole when I left the house of God turned out to be pig slop. I do not know how to tell them how, like you, I shared meals with sex workers and it was a feast of unending grace. Jesus, today I heard how pennies can't be made of copper anymore because the amount of copper needed to make a penny is more expensive than a penny is worth. And Lord, I feel it. They ask me to be something smaller, to be pressed down into something worthless, to be crushed into something worthless. Jesus, I have tried. I have tried to be small enough. I tried to be shiny. I've tried to be worthy. But every time I press myself with the imprint of someone else's expectations, it misses the mark and I am left off center. So here I am, Lord, a quarter clinking around in the bottom of the divine washing machine. A nickel dropped under the car seat, ground into a gritty floor. A penny slipping from a pocket rolled into a corner under the bed where dust mites and bobby pins are my only fellow believers. Jesus, I need to see the broom in your hands. I want to hear you turning over every empty pitcher and shaking out every neatly folded sheet. I need to see your belly pressed against the floor and your dark eyes peering into my own darkness. You know darkness, Lord, it doesn't scare you. You made it. Long before your hands were bound in wrinkles and veins, you crafted night and day and you are afraid of neither. But I am lost and I am afraid. Well, Lord, they call me lost. And if I am, I want you to find me the way you found the world nicked at the edges dusty and rusty called unwanted and unworthy and still your hands reached out to cradle every worthless coin like each was a pearl of great price jesus in this congregation of the forgotten corner i am finding i am not alone we are the church of the still lost in this lost and found so when you come bring a satchel ready to collect what longs for home Jesus, for every sheep and coin and child called lost, may you pull us close and whisper found. And so with that, let's eat and drink the communion this morning. um yeah thanks kylie i see your comment in the chat um i can try to find the words and put them in the chat for you um yeah and then i'm gonna pray for taryn and she will start here we'll pan over Oh, the coffee table is falling apart okay there we go <laughs> um dear god thank you for this morning thank you that you Uh, invite us to the table and that you alone have the authority yeah to welcome us there Um, yeah I pray for Taryn as she speaks that you give her peace and that our hearts would be receptive to hear what you have to say for us today amen Right.
3: then we'll shuffle it a little bit more okay Good morning, everyone. Uh, My name is Taryn. Like Brittany, I've been um, participating at the bridge since this past July, and I'm just pulling up my notes that I have for me here. Perfect. So, um, yeah, I just have a few thoughts to share with you all today. Uh, For context, we use a lectionary, so it's called a woman's lectionary for the whole church. By Wilda Gaffney. This is what it looks like. Um, Yeah, so for everyone who shares, we always have uh, passages that come out of here. And Jeff, if you're able to share your screen, I just have one title slide. Sorry, I realized I forgot to give you a heads up earlier. Um, But today I'm calling what I have to share a liminal space. And I just have a definition of a little sorry to put you on the spot, Jeff. Uh, if not, I can just read it, but boom, perfect. So just for context, um, a liminal space. So to be in a liminal space means to be on the precipice of something new, but not quite there yet. You can be in a liminal space physically, emotionally, or metaphorically. And that is good. That is my only slide. So... You're good, Jeff. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I just wanted to give that little definition right off the bat. So as we kind of are at this point where Easter has happened, we've been waiting for Easter, Christ is risen, all that is there. And we come to find ourselves in a liminal space where Jesus is alive um, and still with His disciples with the men and women who were following him um, and hasn't been raised up into heaven and the Holy Spirit hasn't arrived yet. And it's this kind of weird, you know, 50 days until Pentecost liminal space where we now in hindsight know that at the time, the people in, you know, Jerusalem, Jesus's followers were on the cusp of something new and they just didn't even know it. And so we're kind of entering into this liminal space in the church calendar. Um, And this morning I woke up and realized I too have been in a liminal space as I realized today is April 24th. And so a year ago was supposed to be when I celebrated my college graduation. But of course, due to COVID, that got canceled quite last minute, even though we were a year into COVID. So like... I had some awareness that it could happen, um, and I did celebrate grad in September, but I've also been in this weird space where I'm actually interning here with the bridge um, to do some hours to kind of get my degree, and I'm also almost wrapping that up, and so I woke up this morning, I was like, oh, it's it's been a year since I was supposed to graduate, and I've kind of been in this liminal space in my life for the last year, which is, kind of become my new normal and served as a transition time from, you know, four years of college to whatever's next. Um, so yeah, I just kind of want to keep that in mind of this idea of something new is coming. It's anticipation, but you're kind of in this void of like something has concluded and the next thing hasn't started yet. Um, And so in the church calendar, that's where we're at. But also we find ourselves in seasons like that a lot um, in our lives. So that is that. And I will now just give a brief summary of the passages within this book. And so what stuck out to me as I read them was, and it makes sense, it's the Sunday after Easter, Jesus is alive. And this theme of living was threaded throughout all the passages and so um, I'm not going to read them all I'm just going to kind of briefly summarize them all so first um, in the Sundays after Easter there's a bonus passage from Acts every Sunday Um, so it's five passages instead of four that you can pick from so if you're speaking in the next few weeks you got like lots of good potential choices to pick from um, but first, there's Acts 1, um, and it says here, it's basically Jesus presenting himself to the disciples to say that he is alive, um, and kind of who the disciples were, I'm not going to read it all, but basically, Jesus is alive and hanging out with his disciples, and then we have a Deuteronomy passage, fun. Um in which what sticks out to me is in verse, Deuteronomy 5, verse 3, as Moses is about to recap the Ten Commandments to the Israelites. It says that God gave them those commandments, um, not with our mothers and fathers did the ever-living God engrave this covenant, but with us, we who are here today, all of us alive. So there's that alive theme again. And then we have Psalm 41 and I love how Wilda Gaffney translates the Psalms to be feminine pronouns. Um, And she just makes the comment that women are equally as included um, in these Psalms as people express their emotions. It's universal human experience. So it shouldn't be a bad idea to translate into a feminine pronoun. Um, But there's this line here, where it says the sheltering God protects her and keeps her alive. So there's also kind of that living theme. And then we have Romans seven. Romans is just so dense theologically. So I'm actually not gonna be touching on it much, but there's this part where it's just the idea of like the law applies to, to the living um and there's a lot theologically happening there but i'm, I'm just gonna leave it at that you can look into it on your own if you want and then we have john 20 19 which i am gonna read parts of it here so it says in gaffney's translation um in john 20 when it was evening on that day the first of the week and the doors of the house where the disciples were where the disciples were closed for fear of Judeans, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, peace be with you all. And having said this, Jesus showed them his hands and his sides, so where he was pierced. Um, And the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Messiah. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you all, just as the living God has sent me. So I send you all. Um, And then it kind of goes into, uh thomas's story of doubting in jesus and saying well i didn't see him so i need to see him to believe and then it goes to the conclusion of the gospel of john where jesus says to thomas was it because you have seen that you believe so jesus revealed himself to thomas there blessed are those who have seen or who have not seen and yet believe and then we hear now jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book, but these, so what is written in the gospel of John are written so that you may come to believe Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. And so there's that life thing theme again with both, um, Jesus saying the living God has sent him as well as John saying that he recorded the gospels that you could have life in Jesus's name. Um, and I wasn't quite too sure what to do with this whole life theme because uh, it seems very natural of Sunday after Easter, yet there's also this internal turmoil as I hear the gospel was written down so that we would have life in Jesus's name. Um, and and I, I do think that's true. I think there's something to it, but I'm still trying to figure out what that something is. Um, and so while I do think Jesus rising from the dead, there being life in Jesus and in God is a good thing. Um, I'm still figuring out what exactly that means. And so instead of kind of presenting an answer, I found myself asking a question and said, instead. And that question is, who is this living God? Because Jesus said that this living God has sent him. So I just found myself thinking, who is this living God? that I believe to be revealed um, throughout the Bible. Um, And that's actually what I want to take a look at today, primarily through that Deuteronomy passage, but also through taking a peek at uh, the Psalms. So, yeah, I'm going to take a look at Psalm 41 again and there are just a few words so often it would be translated as the lord our god kind of idea with the lord being directly related to yahweh which is the name that god gave for themselves uh when god revealed themselves to moses at the burning bush uh, but gaffney often translates that to be a few different words and i don't know the whole process behind the translation process but For me, it's been so refreshing to hear different descriptors of God throughout um, reading these passages. So in Psalm 41, in which a woman is basically talking about her relationship with God and ascribing characteristics to God, it says that God is the faithful one. It describes God as the sheltering God who protects her and keeps her alive. We see the compassionate God who sustains her on her sickbed. We see her calling out, saying, Merciful God, be gracious to me. And then we also see, Blessed be the fire of Sinai, uh, which once again is a reference to the burning bush kind of thing with Moses and that story there, uh, which we aren't going to focus on. So I'm not going to elaborate much further than that. But we see these descriptors of God. Throughout the Bible, throughout the way that we talk about God, throughout how we share our experience. Um, but there still is that question, who is this living God? If we believe that Jesus is alive, he's rise from the dead, the Trinity, God is three in one. So there's God, the creator, Jesus, the son and the Holy Spirit. And we all believe that they're a living God. Um, and they all reveal the characteristics of God, but who is this God? Um, and there are a lot of different ways that we can go about to find that answer. But today we're working with the lectionary. So I'll once again be turning to the passages here in the Bible, but I do believe you can determine or find or experience the characteristics of God um, beyond the Bible. <laughs> I think it is a good starting point but it is not the only the only point it is not the ending point as well um but there's also a lot that we can learn within it so i would like to take a look at deuteronomy 5 and the context of deuteronomy is basically the israelites were slaves in egypt they flee pharaoh there's the 10 plagues there's the splitting of the sea all this crazy stuff um and then they wander in the wilderness for 40 years due to some stuff that went down um and deuteronomy finds moses and the israelites east of the jordan river so they ended up occupying the land that is west of the jordan so basically looking across the river at the land that god says will be theirs and moses takes the time to first in the first Four chapters summarize Israel's story. And then it's within this context of Moses sharing where the Israelites have been that Moses then rearticulates some of the rules that or the laws that God has given them as Israelite, as a nation to be set apart and to be a blessing to all people. Um, and so Deuteronomy 5 goes into the, the Ten Commandments here. And we only have the first two in my passage today. Um, but I found it very interesting because I just so happened last Friday as I was spending my hour at the Stations of the Cross in the park. I did a wild thing and I found the Bible that had not been touched since I moved in December and I brought it with me and figured that's probably a good idea to read it. Disclaimer, like i I have my phone and the internet that I'll sometimes read from, but like an actual book. What a concept. Um, and of course I'm like, well, where what do I even read? And I think due to a tea stain from a sermon <laughs> at some point a few years ago, like five years ago, more than that. Anyways, um, I ended up in Exodus 20, which is the original Ten Commandments. And I realize that I don't see what's happening here. I don't, I'm not reading it the same way that I used to, basically, it's long story short. And so, um, but I just thought it'd be fun. It's hard to tell. Oh, it's so bright, but there's the nice little tea stain all along. I, it's super wrinkled, but it's not as, anyways, tea stain brought me to the 10 commandments. That's just an image for my life. <laughs> Within the chaos, structure is revealed. Um, but I just want to. It's funny, Jeff said better than a coffee stain. That was a time in my life where I wasn't drinking coffee yet because everyone else was drinking coffee and I wanted to be different. So I drank tea, but I didn't even like tea. Anyways, um, at least herbal tea, and I would only drink like green herbal tea, so it wasn't good. So we have Deuteronomy 5, and I kind of gave the context of the first few verses, but within those verses, it gives some characteristics of God. And so I just want to, again, read those characteristics of God as we're on a journey to figure out who this living God is. And so um, in Gaffney's translation, where often people would just translate this as the Lord in all caps, um, it describes God in Deuteronomy 5 as the ageless one, ever living, holy one of old, the God whose name is holy, holy God, eternal one, and creator of all, Um, which I think is lots of clues into who God is. There's, there's this timeless sense, there's this holy reverence sense, um, and there's this allusion to God being the one who creates. And so that might be a little bit of the characteristics of this living God that sent Jesus. Um, And I also think that Jesus reveals the characteristics of God as a whole. Um, But then I want to take a a little bit more of an in-depth look at really the second commandment here, but I'll just read the first one. So. In verse six, it says, I am the eternal one your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. That's number one. That's in Sunday school, you know that that's the first one. So hopefully we have that memorized somehow, since that's our starting point. Um, but even within that, we often hear, You shall have no other gods, or like yahweh's priority yet i find it interesting that god provides this context of i'm the god who brought you out of slavery and so it's not just you shall have no other gods but it's this within the context of relationship of of history of a past of experience that god is giving these rules um and if you are a christian if you are a jew um That that might mean a lot to you to say, you know, the first list in these commandments to have no other gods before God. But also, if you're coming from a place where you aren't sure how you feel about that, um, that's kind of hard to sit with. Um, And for me, it's the second passage here that I find or the second commandment that I find harder to sit with here. So I'll continue on. goes on to say, you shall not make for yourself a sculpted image in the form of anything that is in the heavens above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the creator of all, your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing faithful love to the thousandth gen- generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. I I don't remember hearing that whole first part within, uh, you know, don't don't worship other gods, don't have idols. Like we just talk about don't love your phone more than God, but there's a lot more to it there. um Or at least me growing up, you know, my my age, it was phones. I don't know what it was before like basically don't put social media above God is what I was told in youth groups so that's that's my generation's idol um but like it says that God is jealous it says that that is a characteristic of God and I don't think that's a characteristic that um I grew up hearing or when I became a Christian at age 15 that I heard people talking about much is this idea of a jealous god um this idea of a god who well you i did hear about this one a little bit a god who punishes people for their mistakes but specifically here it says um a god that is punishing children for the iniquity of parents um and to me that just doesn't seem fair when i read that i'm like This is kind of like red flags happening. Um, Why why would someone punish a child for not their own actions but their parents' actions? And it reminds me of just generally that actions have consequences, uh, a concept that I'm currently trying to teach the Lowen's dogs. Um, So if if you guys are familiar with Josh and Karina Lowen and Their kids. Um, I don't know if any of them are here today. I know Josh and Karina are in New Brunswick. Mm -hmm. That's what, yeah. Anyways. Um, But they they have two dogs, Pippin and Frodo, and I was house sitting for them a month ago. And their dogs are so smart that they have their own doorbells. So when they want to go to the bathroom or just want to go outside, they push their paw on the doorbell and they get to go outside. However, I noticed that uh, Pippin in particular, but Frodo as well, um, you can kind of see a theme to the names there. Pippin would click this uh, button and he wouldn't wanna go outside. And so I would look at Pippin, I would look at Frodo as well, and I would say actions have consequences and I would make them go outside. And they they were allowed to like push the button and come right back in. But if they rang that doorbell to go outside, they had to go out because they didn't understand that actions have consequences. So, you know, if if dogs can comprehend that, um, we, you know, we can kind of comprehend that too. So a part of me wants to justify being like, okay, well, what we see here is that, like, actions have consequences, you know, whatever. That's probably what God's getting at here, not just, like, punishing innocent people for other people's mistakes. Um, But it still doesn't sit well with me when I look at that. Um, and I feel like I've also heard people try to explain it as just, well, God's ways are greater than our ways. We don't understand God's sense of justice. We just need to trust that God knows what's best. Um, and I don't know if that's a sufficient explanation. Um, I don't know how I feel about asking who is this living God and reading that it, it seems to not line up with my sense of justice but also that's only my sense so there's there's this tension um but then if we read the next verse um, I think it gets put into a better light here where it says that to the third and fourth generations basically children will be punished um, if you if you worship gods other than god other than yahweh um but then it says that god shows faithful love to the thousandth generation um in particular of those who love god and keep god's commandments um but i think that's a really important contrast those three or four generations versus a thousand i should have done the. Ma- i won't do the math i was about to figure out the math of that percentage that ratio but like it's a very like that really outweighs this idea of god's faithful love so we adjure we observe god's jealousy but then we see god's faithful love basically greatly surpassing god's jealous nature um and i think that's really important as i try to figure out who this living god is um why Life in the name of Jesus is important. Um, And just in my process and where I'm at right now and figuring out what my faith means to me, I think it's very important for me to look at and see, okay, there can be things in tension, but what are we seeing is heavier, has more weight to it, more oomph. And in this, we see that God's faithful love is far outweighing God's wrath, God's jealousy. And to me that's really important um so there's still that jealousy there it still makes me uncomfortable um but when i can realize that scripture is saying that um god has emotions just as we have emotions but god's love is ultimately what um what takes precedence um that's what i'm seeing here and that is important to me. Um, so I just think it's, it's very interesting to take a look at what we observe scripture saying about God's characteristics and what sticks out to us and why. Um, because I think it can be really easy to just focus on, oh God is jealous and will punish people if they don't follow him, if they don't obey god um it can also be really easy to just focus on well god god is love um and then we can just completely discard that stuff that we don't like and do nothing about it um but there's a tension and i'm in this place where i am in a liminal space where i'm embracing the tension of what basically has concluded if you take a look at the romans passage and kind of saying that and we aren't going to get any further than this but in the new testament we see this kind of transition from believers having to obey the law to the t to shifting to figure out how jesus has created something new um and that's just that is a whole can of worms that i'm not going to get into today i think it's important to get into but we just don't have the time and capacity to Dig deep into that today. Uh, But you can take a look at Romans 7 on your own if that's something that you want to uh, take some brain space for today. But I just want to challenge people with what characteristics are you seeing of God, of this living God that we trust is good? For me, good and faithful have always been the two characteristics that I go to to describe God because that reflects my experience of God. Um, yeah, and so as I head towards concluding this, um, we, our series, our theme that we've already been on is Jesus at the center. However, post Easter, we're taking a shift from looking at Jesus at the center of every story tells his story to Jesus at the center of our everyday lives. Um, and as we find the church in a space of a, or in a liminal space, as I think I personally can see areas in which I'm in a liminal space in my personal life now. Um, yeah, I just want to challenge you to say, who is this living God? What have you been taught to understand of characteristics of God? What have you experienced of characteristics of God? What are you reading? Of characteristics of God, um, all of those kind of things. Because I think we can find that answer in more than one place. Um, and as I said earlier, the way that I read the Bible has changed a lot, um, partly and due partly due to me having a Bible a biblical studies degree, having done four years of learning a lot of stuff, Um, and that has changed it. Um, Me asking some really hard questions about how I understand God, how I understand the purpose of the church has changed how I read it. Me understanding parts of my identity and who I truly believe God has created me to be has changed how I read. Uh, the Bible, how I understand the church, all of those things, because they're all interconnected. Um, so I included a song today called God is in the song playlists for like worship. Um, there should be a link in the emails that you get, or if not on our website, thebridgeonline.ca slash worship you can find the playlist there on youtube or spotify and there's a song called god is um that i know i really resonated with that i have a feeling a lot of you would resonate with um and it kind of takes this this angry wrathful concept of god and replaces it with a lot of more positive um experiences and characteristics of god um and I do think there's a tension there, I do, but I think we need to look at, at least for me, when when I read the Bible, I see God's love being the overarching narrative from the end to the beginning. Um, I see a lot of humans experience trying to understand the divine um, and that being in place there. And so I would like to leave you with a little flipperoo of the roundtable questions and have you ask yourself uh, similar questions in light of how you see God. Um, so the roundtable question was along the lines of how have people described you? Positive, negative, whatever. How did that affect you? But now I want you to ask yourself, uh, what characteristics do you ascribe to God? How does that affect your perception of God? And then how does that per- affect your perception of yourself? Um, any other relevant questions for you? You can slide that in there too. But those are the three. What, what, yeah. How do you see God? Um, how does it affect you? Basically, how does it affect your view of God? Um And then I would like to attempt to tie it back into the theme of life that I think all five passages that have been selected within this lectionary, um, because that seems to be an important thing that John wraps up his gospel saying that he told us these things that we could believe so that we would have life in the name of Jesus, um, and so there's that image that I believe Eden, I know I first heard from Eden, and I think other people, I know, Karina Young Adults has shared it, and I think it was still Eden who shared it in the church thing, but we we have the tree of life and the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Um and sometimes it's just nice to rest under the shadows of the tree of life. And I know this has been, yeah, shared before, but if it's something that's in your brain great if it's something that you need a reminder but just what does it mean to stop and say no god has intended us to experience life not to experience this binary of good and evil but to just rest in in life and i don't know exactly what that means right now for each of us um but i do trust that that is a general trajectory that I experience in my relationship with God that I see in my reading of the Bible that I experience in relation with community at the bridge with other friends um yeah so what characteristics do you ascribe to God how does that affect you um and maybe I'll add on how does that affect how you understand life because why not drop a big juicy question that we probably don't have time to fully reflect on, anyways. Um so Taryn, thank you so much. Thank you everybody for your thoughts. And uh we're just gonna leave you with the questions and set you free. Um uh pray for us. And then Jeff's got a last screen to share just some dates for this week coming up. So um God, I thank you for Taryn, and I thank you for watching support today. Thank you for my friends that are gathered here today, and I pray, God, that you would go with us as we question that you would uh you would hold those questions in us um that we would hold those questions in our hearts as we go lightly um and that we would experience your love and your peace and your joy as we walk into this week amen